The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's economic climate, it is very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes they are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Good morning, everybody. This is Gordon Bennett with you again on the path to financial freedom, a place we'd all like to end up, and sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. Today, I am delighted to have as my guest, who will give us a great deal of information on an organization, uh, Charles Rotblot. I have a lot of trouble pronouncing other people's name because mine's such a mess, so I hope I got it right that time, Charles Rotblot. You sure did. he, He is the journal of the American... Association of Individual Investors. And for those of you who may not have heard of it, this is going to be an absolutely enlightening hour. Uh, it's a membership organization. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating investors. And I have to tell you, they do an outstanding job. The amount of materials they have is, is staggering indeed. And so I'm just going to let Charles uh, start out with telling us a little bit about the organization and bit by bit some of the uh, benefits you have as belonging to the organization. Charles, it's all up to you now. All right. Thank you for having me. Uh, sure. AAII, we were founded in 1978 by a business professor at DePaul University, James Clunan, who's still our founder and chairman. Um, and at the time, James realized there wasn't really an organization that was looking out for individual investors. Uh, there really wasn't an organization back then trying to help individual investors uh, invest better and learn how to invest. Uh, if you go back to that time, there wasn't a Morningstar, there wasn't a Zacks Investment Research, uh, there weren't some of the brokerage firms that now exist. Uh, and so James saw a need there to really help individual investors learn how to invest. And even now, our role has probably grown uh, because even though there's now more information than ever on investments, uh, it's also more confusing than ever trying to decide what information matters, what do I need to look at, and what do I need to think about when I'm managing my portfolio. And our job here at AAII is to actually help investors understand this is what I need to focus on, and these are the considerations I need to have when I'm managing my portfolio. Start out by defining what you mean by an individual investor. Sure. We actually cater to people who are managing their own money for their own accounts. So versus a pension fund that's actually managing a very large portfolio uh, for, say, union members or, say, for government employees, we actually help people who are managing their own money, individuals who might have a brokerage account, 
uh, perhaps an IRA, perhaps a 401k. So we're not working with financial planners. Uh, we're not working with pension funds. We're not working with hedge funds. We're actually helping uh, individuals like you and me manage their own money. I think that you would agree that one of the problems all of us face is information overload. How do we sift and filter the, the vast amount of data that's coming our way in today's information world? Well, that's a big challenge, and especially in the investing world, because there's always some new idea, there's always some new hot sector. And one of the things we really focus on is getting people to think more about their investments in terms of an overall portfolio. What allocations do I need? Um, and we also try to explain to people, if you're analyzing a stock, here are the characteristics you need to look at. If you're analyzing a bond, here's what you need to think about. Uh, if you're looking at a mutual fund or an ETF, what do you need to consider when you're analyzing those? So we're really trying to get people to focus on, okay, this is what's really important. This is what I need to use to determine my buy and sell decisions. And really the rest of uh, everything else is either noise or it's stuff that you might need to consider, uh, but you don't necessarily need to think about it on a day-to-day -day basis. So when I'm running workshops, one of the things I quickly discover is that a lot of people have spent an enormous amount of time in their life developing their personal education so they can earn a job. What they don't realize is that someday they're not going to be working for wages. They're going to have to have their money working for them. They don't seem to know where to get started. They seem a little intimidated. They've heard the stories of losing everything. Uh, how does a beginner get started in taking care of their own investments? What are some of your tips? Well, I think the first thing is to realize that I don't know everything. Um, a lot of times people approach investing like, oh, I can do this, and the reality is it's very complicated. Uh, and the mistake I see with a lot of new investors is their thought is when they first start is that, oh, I need to buy the stock, I need to buy the best fund, uh, when in reality probably 80 to 90% of your performance is going to be determined on how you allocate your portfolio. How much do you have in stocks? How much do you have in bonds? And one of the things we actually provide for free, you do not even have to be a member, is we have a very simple asset allocation model on our website, and we have it broken down to aggressive, moderate, and conservative, where people can look at these models and say, okay, I'm in this category. This is, here's a broad scope of how I should be allocating my portfolio in terms of stocks and in terms of bonds. Um, and just doing that one step and trying to stick to your allocation goals will actually put you ahead of most investors by a mile. Uh, so many investors are so focused on what's happening today that they're not thinking long-term, how should my portfolio be comprised and what assets should I have in there and what mix of assets should I have in my portfolio. Let's give us that address, the web address. Sure, it's www.aaii.com. And they can go there. They don't have to be a member. That's open to the public, and uh, uh, they can browse their way around there. And what is it they're supposed to look for? Their asset allocation model? Yeah, and I'll give you the. Yeah, we actually have an asset allocation model, and it's right. We actually have a tab on our website labeled financial planning, um, and underneath it, it's it's asset allocation models. If they want to go to the page directly, um, it's simply www.aaii.com backslash asset hyphen allocation, or they can just go to our main website, click on financial planning, and they'll see a link to our asset allocation models on that page. I would certainly recommend that uh, people browse around on the site. I find that uh, 
when I have a new site, a lot of times it's the browsing around that leads me to serendipity. I remember when I used to travel a lot and I'd find myself in a strange town, I'd sometimes just deliberately go out and get lost and I'd find all sorts of wonderful things. And I think the same thing is true with web addresses. There's so much information on so many of them that it's, it's worthwhile taking some time and enriching yourself. Now, you talk about, were there three separate asset allocation models on that address? There are. We have them labeled as aggressive, moderate, and conservative. Um, and as the name implies, it really comes down to how much risk do you want to take. Uh, the aggressive investors really cater to somebody who's young, uh, say, in their early, say in their 20s or early 30s, that has a long time span before they actually need money from their portfolio. Uh, the conservative investors really for someone who's either nearing retirement or in retirement. Um, and the goal there is to really try and preserve your money. Uh, although you still need to be focused on growth and you still need to be worried about having your portfolio grow faster than the rate of inflation, uh, you also need to think about being more conservative because asset allocation and investing is really based on financial planning. Uh, and the golden rule in financial planning is any money you need over the next few years, you shouldn't put it at risk. You should invest it very conservatively. And even in today's market where we have very low interest rates, if you know you're going to need a certain amount of money two or three years from now, you may want to just invest it into a certificate of deposit or a money market account because you don't want to take the chance of something happening that will actually reduce the balance if you know you need the money over the short term versus if you don't need the money for another 30 years, you have plenty of time to actually write out any volatility that the market brings because over the long term, we do know that stocks deliver a better return and do a better job of beating inflation than any other asset class. Yeah, I think your advice is wise. You don't want to invest your grocery money uh, hoping it'll make money before you have to go to the grocery store again. Um, I hear two things underlying most of your conversation here that uh, I'll get your comments on. It seems to me that to become successful in investing or in any other things in our financial life, is there one thing is setting goals, another is understanding your personal risk appetite. Let's talk about goals for a moment. Why is it important to start out with some personal goals before you plunder uh, into the stock market or into the investment market, not just the stock market? Well, it's a bit like driving across the country. If you live, say, in Baltimore and you want to go to San Diego, um, you can start heading west and you might get there at some point, but then again, you might find yourself up in Fargo wondering how you got there and how are you going to make your way back down to California. Versus if you have a map, you can look and say, okay, I need to go on these highways. I need to get on I-70 and eventually work my way down towards I-10. Um, and the same thing is with investing. If you have goals and you know, okay, I need to have this approximate amount of money saved up by the time I'm retired, you then have a map to follow, and you can then start thinking, okay, every year I need to put aside approximately X. I need to assume that I'll get a certain level of return to get there. And then you can start setting yourself up on a discipline for saving and also for investing. So it's not that you can't get to your retirement goals if you don't plan, but there's a far greater chance that you'll never get there uh, versus if you have goals, you can actually say, this is my goal, and then you can step back and say, okay, how am I going to achieve this goal? What are the various steps I need to take versus what do I need to do today? What do I need to do next year? What do I need to do five years from now? And it sets up a structure for you. And it's really nice because once you have that structure, if the markets get volatile, 
you can look back at your plan and say, okay, uh, this is my plan and I'm still on track and I'm still doing all the things I told myself I would do. And I know that if I stick to this plan, eventually I will get to my goal. Um, I talk about goals a lot when I run a workshop. Um, goals without writing them down and planning on them uh, tends to be wishful thinking. Uh, it tends to be uh, the New Year's uh, the New Year's resolution that doesn't get kept. Uh, those are the kind of things that goals uh, help you avoid uh, the um, the wishful thinking, uh, the discipline that you need uh, before you can. Uh, see where you're going. It also cuts down family conflict if the goals are clearly spelled out and people know what they're going to do. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of books written on goals, but that's a good starting point for any of our um, investment philosophies. The second thing I like to talk about, people have different risk appetites. How do you talk to people about understanding their own emotional risk and pairing that with their investment? Well, that's a very important question because emotions do a lot of damage to everybody's portfolios. And the reason why is that we're all humans. And when I speak to investment groups, and we have local chapters throughout the country, uh, one of the things I point out is that it's okay to be scared by volatile markets. I get a pit in my stomach when the Dow drops three, 400 points in a day. But it's not okay to let those emotions dictate your investing decisions. Um, and one of the things I really advocate, and you just spoke about writing things down, is just keeping a journal. I use a simple spiral notebook, but you can use a blog, you can use a sheet of paper, it really doesn't matter. But just writing down the reasons why you bought an investment, writing down the reasons that you are, writing down your strategies, writing down your goals, so that when the markets do get volatile, you can look back and say, okay, this is what I told myself I would do. And there's a psychological reason for this. Psychiatrists tell us that we make the most rational decisions when we're not in a crisis mode. So when everything's nice and calm, like we have the markets right now, if you stop back and think, okay, these are my financial goals, and start working out your strategy as to what you need to do to accomplish those goals, now that you're nice and calm, you have a strategy. So... When you start getting nervous about the markets, you can go back and you know you wrote it. And you know it's your personal plan that you made a commitment with yourself and your family. You can say, okay, I'm nervous, I'm scared, but I know I've got a path in place to get me to where I need to go. And I think that alone will go a long way because what you don't want is a situation, say, in the first quarter of 2009 where you got scared by the bear market, you sold all your stocks, uh, and then a year later, you're seeing the stock market be considerably higher, and you're wondering, well, how do I get back in the market? How do I get myself back on plan to attain my goals? Uh, you always want to go and try and stick to your plan as much as possible and make that plan when you're not scared by the markets. Yeah, so you've got what you have here not only is the education you need to select individual assets. You have to look at yourself. You have to... Um, Look at those goals. I think we have to revise our goals from time to time. I think we have to look at our appetite for risk. It changes over time. It also changes as we get more comfortable and our get more knowledgeable. I think it's a pretty good time for us to take a short break now, and we will be back after the break to talk a little bit more with Charles about the incredible services from AAII. Back in a few minutes.
Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. We're back with Charles. And Charles, I'm going to start out the second half of our broadcast today and have you tell us a little bit about the journal which you uh, edit uh, comes out every month. It's something I look forward to. And uh, give us an overview. Sure. We, we publish a monthly magazine at AAII called the AAII Journal, and it's included with a basic membership, uh, which is $29 a year. Um, and what we, do in the, what we do in the magazine is we actually try to cover a broad range of topics and bring in a broad range of experts. Now, for instance, in this upcoming issue, uh, in our April issue, we have an article from uh, some people at the principal group where, we'll act, where we're talking about how do you allocate your portfolio in retirement. Um, and we, we really try to do is explain to people these are key concepts and go into some things they're not necessarily thinking about, talking about behavior, uh, talking about withdrawal rates. Uh, we also talk about how to analyze stocks. In our current issue of the journal, we have an article uh, by Joe Land, who's on our staff, about how do you read an income statement? Where are the components? What are you looking at when you look at an income statement? Uh, so we really try to use it as, a, as an issue, not only to bring up important topics with investors, but also teach them and get them to learn how to manage their own portfolio. Because the key is, even if you want to work with an advisor and you really don't want to do a lot of the hard work yourself, you should know enough about finance so that when your advisor pitches you a product or suggest you invest in a, certain, in a certain stock, you know what questions to ask. And so I think it's very important to read through these topics, understand them. Uh, but we also, a couple of our issues actually include guides. We do an annual mutual fund guide. We've done it now for 31 years. Um, it covers approximately 1,500 of the most popular low-load and no-load funds. Uh, we also do an annual ETF guide. Uh, we also do an annual tax guide that talks about tax laws as they apply to investors um, and helps explain the current tax rates 
and also gives her a preview of what's coming up the next year, both of what we do know and, as is the case right now, what we don't know about the coming tax year. The uh, thing I like about the journal, first of all, it's short. It's 36 pages, I think, is your standard size. Correct. Um, it is also the articles are a remarkable combination of being suitable for a beginner who knows nothing about the topic. Again, in many cases written by the outside experts and in many cases written by you or your staff. But it can start you at zero knowledge level and ramp you up very rapidly. The articles are digestible so that you don't have to sit down and, and uh, like wading through a textbook. They're very readable. There is no advertising. And I think there's enough disclaimers in there uh, that you can understand uh, not everything that's in there will necessarily suit you, but you can make that judgment on yourself. And that's what we're really looking for. We're looking for people's ability to make discriminating choices that lead to positive outcomes. And you can't get too much education for that. So I think you absolutely strike a balance uh, and the continuity of the journal uh, so that beginners and experts alike can, can benefit from it. And I certainly keep the back issues at my fingertips. Tell me a little bit about the uh, model portfolio. Sure. We actually have three model portfolios on our site. They're all run by our founder, James Clunan. Uh, the one that's the most popular is our shadow stock portfolio. And this invests in microcap stocks. And microcap stocks are really companies with very small market capitalizations. They're very small uh, stocks, and they're often overlooked. And the reason why we call it the shadow stock portfolio is that these stocks often trade within the shadows of the broader market. And what's neat about these stocks is because they're so often overlooked, they tend to be mispriced. So if you look for the value stocks in there, you find a lot of companies in this space that are very profitable. And I want to make clear, we're not talking about penny stocks. Uh, these are stocks that are actually exchange-listed. They file SEC filings. They're legitimate companies. Uh, they just happen to be small in size. But because people often ignore them, they tend to be underpriced. And so if you're willing to actually venture into that field and look at these companies, you can find some real bargains. Now, and we've had very strong re performance for this portfolio. Our 10-year annualized return is 19.2%, and that includes the lost decade. But I do want to caution the people, this is a volatile portfolio. Because these stocks are often overlooked, they tend to rise very fast and they tend to fall very fast. So it's a type of stock that you need to make a commitment to that you're going to tell yourself, I know this is volatile, but I'm willing to write out the price volatility because I know these are good stocks and I know I can get good bargains. Um, it's a bit like people who show up early uh, for Black Friday sales the day after Thanksgiving. They get out early and they know there's going to be lines, but they know they can get good bargains. Well, this, these type of stocks, as long as you know what you're getting into and as long as you're willing to say, okay, I'm willing to put with the volatility, these stocks can actually give you some nice returns and the great thing about these stocks is they tend to be less correlated with the S&P 500. So if, say, you own a Vanguard fund, you can also invest in these stocks and give your portfolio a little bit more diversification than you might otherwise be able to get by investing in, say, a mid-cap or a small-cap company. What, what I like about, uh, again, I'm going to go back to the journal, uh, it's pretty obvious that the, the founder, James Clonan, has a bias but the thing that you get as a benefit in reading the journal is you understand his bias and the journal's bias and the association's bias, and you're free to follow that bias or not 
as you see fit. Too often, you get advice and you're not quite sure what the underlying premises are. If you want to learn about stocks, take the shadow portfolio and start looking at the individual securities. Try to analyze the bias that's there. And I'm going to go right down the list of the four uh, philosophies, I think, because they're in his cover letter is when you get your membership. And I think they're worth understanding. And the first four rules that he starts out, and I guess he calls them secrets or myths. And his number one is don't buy the S&P 500 index. Uh, Charles, why is that? Well, the, uh, Jim actually believes by buying the S&P 500 index, you're really following the herd and you're just going to get the same returns that everybody else does. And there's nothing wrong with buying the S&P 500. I have a Vanguard S&P 500 fund in my, 40, my 403B plan, which is similar to our 401K. But if your goal is to actually beat the market, you've got to do something different than anybody else's. And if everybody else is going the large-cap stocks and they're saying, oh, I want to own Apple, I want to own GE, I want to own Bank of America – you're not going to beat the market by solely investing in those stocks. You need to actually step aside and go where other people aren't going. Um, and there have been several academics who have looked at these microcap stocks, including Roger Ibbotson, uh, who works for Morningstar and has been well-known for calculating long-term performance, who said you get your best mix of risk and return by going with the microcap stocks, going for the stocks that people aren't looking at. And that's the one thing with investing. It's always about balancing risk and reward. And if you want more reward, you have to take more risk, but you have to do it in a very smart way. You have to think about where can I get bargains and where can I, as an individual investor, where can I go that the big hedge funds and the big fund managers can't go, and that's shadow stocks like our shadow stock portfolio that are very small in size and are undervalued. And the next wealth secret number two that he has in his cover letter uh, which builds right on that. It says, don't fall for the trap that supposedly risky stocks necessarily increase your risk. Point number two. Yeah, and, and that really comes down to diversification. Uh, and one of the things about diversification is it doesn't really matter how risky an individual asset is. It's how does it work with your portfolio. And that's why everyone keeps harping on diversification is that as long as you have assets that move and different, have different return characteristics, from one another, they're going to offset the returns. And a lot of times people also assume volatility with risk. Well, a stock can be volatile, but if over the long term it gives you a stronger performance, you're actually going to earn more than a rate of inflation and you're being compensated for that risk. And that's the one thing. People always get worried about a change in price, but it's not so much the change in price. It's really, are you getting rewarded for putting up with the market's volatility? Um, and this is not just Jim Clunan speaking about it. Ben Graham, who traded, uh, sorry, Ben Graham, who actually teached Warren Buffett how to invest, has a whole chapter in his book, uh, An Intelligent Investor, talking about uh, Mr. Market and how Mr. Market will give you a different price every day. But if you learn to ignore Mr. Market and you look for stocks that are undervalued and you're willing to hold on to them, you'll get a stronger return, and you'll actually get better returns over the long term. So it's really a matter of thinking about risk in terms of what am I going to get in reward, not versus what's the price today and what's the price going to be like tomorrow. 
Which brings us to point number three in his wealth secrets, which I think you've kind of overlapped in your discussion there, is he says, forget about the common asset allocation rules for diversification. He's, he's asking to go beyond the conventional wisdom. I'll let you fill in on that. Sure, absolutely. And Jim's not a big believer in the traditional asset allocation models. He actually thinks investors should, again, go where other investors aren't. And the idea is that if you want to be in inflation and you want your portfolio to grow, you have to do something different. And I want to point out there's a big, diff- there's a big separation between doing something different and doing something that's smart and different. And what Jim's trying to do is get people to think about where aren't the big, again, where aren't the big investors investing and where can I go to actually get different returns? Um, and the shadow stocks are actually your small, your microcap stocks are actually one of those asset classes. They're overlooked. Um, because they're overlooked, you have more bargains, and they do tend not to fall, have the same return characteristics as the S&P 500. So you're actually getting yourself more diversification. You won't hear it from a lot of advisors because it's harder for them to pitch it. They don't really have the ability to research these stocks. Uh, but, again, if you want to beat the market, you have to be willing to make smart decisions about where you can go that other investors currently aren't going. And his final point was don't bother with mutual funds. And I think I announced that at the beginning. His bias is very clearly that you can do better investing for yourself, provided, of course, that you educate yourself, that you learn what to do, that you understand your own goals, that you understand your own risk tolerance. It doesn't mean following the herd. It's just that the AAII and its education is really set up to equip you to, to be your own investor. And uh, again, we're not saying you should follow these things blindly, but you need to think, you need to learn, and you need to decide for yourself, what are your options? What are your choices? And this may very well provide you with a greater return. We're going to take another short break here, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about some of the vast number of resources that are available from AAII. And Charles, we thank you for your help there. We'll be back in a few. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. 
Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. Enjoyed having you with us and listening to Charles tell us about AAII. We had just talked about the shadow stock portfolio and the difference of individual investors versus the corporate and uh, large investors. And I'm reminded of some of my own life experience. It goes back quite a long time. I at one time worked in the trust department of a major bank, and we invested billions of dollars of other people's money. We had a problem, and that is we could not buy some of the stocks we would like to buy because there was not enough float. We needed to buy so much stock that if we weren't careful on our timing or selling the stock, we would distort the market, which was a no-no. What that means, if you stop and think about it conceptually, finding stocks that are not allowed to be bought by the majors but have the same characteristics is, in a sense, as I believe it, and Charles, get me if I'm wrong, is the whole concept underlying the shock portfolio, stock, uh, shadow portfolio of stocks is that these are stocks that somebody else simply can't buy but they have all the attributes of what you want a winner to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole concept is these stocks are mispriced because you don't have as active of a market. Uh, when you look at your large-cap stocks, you have a lot of people looking at them. I use the example of Exxon. Uh, there's probably nothing that you or I can figure out about Exxon that 100,000 other people haven't already figured out, and it's likely priced into the stock. Versus if you look at a stock with, say, a market capitalization of one, of $1 million, um, it, there's probably not a lot of people looking at it, and this might be a great company, and people may have not figured out that, oh, geez, this is a company with a great growth prospect, um, and it's got a great story here, and I need to get in on this story before the rest of the world figures out that this company is growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, we used to have that problem. We'd look at a stock that we decided that wasn't doing so well, and we wanted to take it out of our portfolios because as trustees, our job was not to accumulate wealth. It was to conserve wealth. And when we got a, a bad signal, we would have to unload. We'd find out we had several hundred thousand shares of a stock, and if we tried to get rid of it all at once, uh, we'd collapse the market. And uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that when they're doing their own per per personal investing, that they are a taker in the marketplace unless they look beyond what that market is doing. Uh, which brings me to another service that the AAI provides. There's a lot of ways to help do analysis of individual securities and portfolios. Talk to me a little bit about your experience and the tools of doing stock research or investment research. Sure. We have, a, we have several things on our site. We actually do have S&P 500 reports uh, for most of the stocks in the shadow stock portfolio. And then we have some companies that actually sponsor S&P uh, reports 
uh, on our website as well. And these are produced by Standard and Poor's. Um, and I'm actually a big believer in research and the way people look at, should look at research and not just the Standard and Poor's reports, which I actually do think are well written, but maybe you get some from your broker. Uh, maybe you're going to another site, is I think you need to use them really as a sanity check. Don't use them as your sole basis to whether to buy or sell, but form your own opinion about the stock and then look at the report and say, does what the report says match my opinion? Um, if it does, then you know everything's good, but if it contradicts what you're looking at, particularly if you like the stock and the analyst writing the stock takes a different view, Try and figure out what is the analyst saying that you're not saying. Now, it might, be, uh, it might very well be the case that the analyst themselves is wrong and they're missing something that you found out, and if case, that could be a great opportunity to buy the stock. But it might also be a scenario where maybe the analyst is doing their job. Uh, but one of the things I would tell people, and we do publish earnings estimates on our website, and, and people can certainly find them on other websites as well, pay more attention to the trend in earnings estimates than whether an analyst has a stock rated a buy, hold, or sell. And the reason why is most brokerage analysts are under a lot of pressure to either keep the stock as a buy or as now they like to use recommend uh, or hold and not use the sell or reduce rating. Uh, because of that, they're very reluctant to change the rating, particularly if they're downgrading a stock. But they can cut their earnings estimates without much pressure. Um, and so if you see earnings estimates falling, and I'm not talking about a 1% change, Say you have a stock that was predicted to earn a dollar next year is now expected to earn 99 cents. But instead, if you see a company that was supposed to earn a dollar next year and now analysts think it's going to earn 85 cents, that's usually a sign that an analyst sees some negative trend emerging in the business, and it can be a sign to actually consider getting out of the stock or at least realize there's something going on that should cause you to be more cautious towards it. Uh, an analogy comes to mind. I uh, every now and then try to look at parallels uh, in different circumstances that that point out the same thing. Analysts are human beings; they have their bias, and that's not a negative term. That's just we all have our bias, we all have our proclivities, uh, and their assumptions underlying their analysis, their their objectives underlying it. And I'm reminded of when I was teaching graduate classes in marketing. One of the exercises I used to have the students do is in learning about print advertising is to go out and look for a week in various publications to find what they consider the very best advertisement and the very worst advertisement and then come to class and explain to their classmates why they picked that one as the best and why they picked it as the worst. Now, these are all students who are mostly business majors. Now, they are all business majors. They're working on their master's degree. Now, they have working experience in the business world. And you would expect some continuity or some similarity in their findings. And week upon week, when we would do this exercise, there would be somebody bring back in an advertising that was their very best choice, and they could rationalize why it was. And in the same class, there was another classmate who picked it as the worst ad, and they could also justify why they thought it was a worst ad. And I think the same thing is true with stocks. You can read two newsletters. One touts it and the other pans it. So you have to do your own education, make up your own mind as to where your biases are and what assumptions are underlying it. It does never pay to stay ill-informed. Absolutely. And, you know, and human bias is a big problem with investing, and especially when we look at stock prices. We see people who see a stock trading at 20 
and it goes to 25, and all of a sudden they think the stock's expensive. Uh, a case in point where we have Apple trading at around $500 per share, um, and people think, oh my gosh, it's $500, it must be expensive. But when you look at Apple's valuation, uh, the truth of the matter is it's cheaper than a lot of technology stocks. It trades at a fraction of the valuation multiple, say, assigned to Amazon, which obviously is trying to encroach on Apple's turf with its, own, with its Kindles. So I do think you need to realize that you do have your own biases and start realizing are, when they're affecting your investment decisions um, and maybe when they're affecting somebody else's investment decisions if you're relying on them for advice. Um, let's see, there was another question I wanted to ask you on uh, services provided by AII. How many stock screens are there now? Uh, we have over 60 stock screens, and they're all based on famous investors. And people can, as members, browse those. And uh, do you find that there's some continuity to them, or do you find some differences? You know, we, have a, we actually have a lot of differences, and we have some that are very value-oriented. Uh, we have some that look for growth stocks. We have some that are more momentum-oriented. Um, and we do find some screens that will overlap. Uh, but usually, once a year, our president, John Bukowski, runs an article in the journal uh, called basically the Consensus Screen, where he looks for stocks that pass the most number of screens. Um, and usually, we will only find four or five or six screens that all have the same stock. Um, so you might have a short list of maybe 10, 20 stocks. Um, and there, it's not surprising because each screen's looking for a different type of stock. Uh, and I'm a big believer in stock screens. And what a stock screen is is a filter of a database. So it's telling the, the computer, find me stocks with this P.E., with this rate of earnings growth, maybe with this uh, much cash on the balance sheet. And it's finding all the stocks that match that specific criteria. And because each screen has different criteria, one screen might find one stock and another screen might find another stock. And it doesn't mean that one screen is better or worse than the other. It's just that they're looking for different criteria. But if you know the type of stock you like, maybe you want a stock with strong growth rates, maybe you want a stock with a low valuation or a high yield, uh, you can actually go to AAI, find a screen that, that fits your investment style, and it will find you a list of possible candidates for you to look at. Let me touch on something else and i'm big on education and so are you and i think people can recognize now listening to you the amount of information available is staggering and part of the challenge for each of us as individual investors is to do our homework there aren't any real shortcuts the world is changing very rapidly economic news changes every day and it's really struggling but staying educated is absolutely a first-rate thing to do I noticed that you also have a number of books and pamphlets that are free or low cost. Give us the title of some of those books that are available at two members. Yeah, absolutely. We have we actually call them ebooks and they're basically books that they can download they're in PDF format and what people can and we actually have three on there. We have one on investing basics and beyond. We have portfolio building and, st and the other one, Stock Investing Strategies. And these are basically books that go more in-depth about investing, more in-depth about investing concepts, uh, so people can really learn uh, these concepts in more detail. Because as you said in the, in the AI journal, we're limited to 36 pages, um, and we also don't want to have the articles too long. I want to keep them at a length where it's easy to read and easy to, to digest 
the material, uh, these books actually go into these important topics in more detail and really give more space to try to explain important concepts and important themes to investing. Um, and investing, like any other skill, is something that you need to constantly work on because if you don't constantly work on, you're, you're, you're going to start losing your skills, you're going to start losing their, your edge. Um, and because there's always something going on, sometimes it's just a matter of going back and looking at the basic materials or reminding yourself, oh, yes, this is what I need to focus on, and this is why this particular measure or this particular strategy is important, me, important for me to stay with particularly now in the age of the Internet where we're inundated 24-7 with ideas and news and concepts, being able to stay focused is extremely important. Um, you also have a couple of uh, weekly newsletters, I think. Uh, we got do, a- and one of the things we have is I actually write uh, every Thursday. It's uh, Investor Update. Uh, and this I actually talk about a variety of subjects, often about things that are happening in the news. Uh, often it's economic trends, I'm saying. Uh, but I'm also going into more detail. Maybe a member will ask me a question. Um, I'll talk about rebalancing. I might talk about retirement investing. Uh, sometimes it's about emotions. And it's basically a way to take one topic that's either in the news or I'm being asked about and actually go into a little bit of detail into it so people can understand. Uh, we also notify investors uh, when the stock screens have been updated. Uh, we send a, week, a monthly email that actually goes into more detail about one screen so they can learn about the screen and decide whether or not it's important to them. Um, and we also notify people when the new issue of the journal is up so they're aware it's on the site and they can actually see what's in the new issue. And, and it, all the articles are actually hyperlinked. So if they see a, a brief summary of an article and they think, I want to read this article, with a click of the mouse, they can pop the article on our website and start reading it. It's an amazing amount of education material. And if somebody doesn't learn uh, they have only themselves to blame. I think we can take a short break now. And one of the things I want to take uh, a discussion about when we come back is the fact that there are chapters of AAI around the country, and some of the speakers they have are truly incredible and worth the members' while. So let's take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about summarizing some of the things, make sure nobody missed them all, and a little bit about the local chapters. <laughs> Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. I can't believe how fast this hour goes talking with Charles. AAII is truly an incredible organization. Uh, I have piles of things here that, that I've acquired from them over the years. And it's like any educational materials. I guess you have to step up and take advantage of it. I bought a treadmill one time, and after six months, I discovered that you had to get on it before it did any good for me. And I think the same is true with education. So let me encourage you to go to com and browse around for yourself and take a look at the enormous wealth of information that's available there. Last year, they had every other year, they have a... Uh, conference and bring some of the absolute top people in the world together, literally, for a three-day seminar. Uh, last year's was in Las Vegas, and all of the sessions were recorded. And for a nominal fee, you can go on the website, find out those uh, experts that you want to listen to, and you can subscribe to or purchase the the packages and listen to those uh, events and those, those presentations, uh, cutting-edge information. That's just another example of how much valuable information is right at your fingertips. $29 a year. It's, it's, it's less than a cup of coffee during the week, a uh, couple of days. And I don't know anybody who's ever canceled their membership. Maybe you have some experience of that, but I can't imagine why anybody would. Um, the other thing that's a, a really important part of the organization is the local chapters. We have one here in Philadelphia where I am. They are able to attract and bring together some of the top speakers and the nice thing about them is you can get questions and answers to people you've been reading about or hearing about to, to flesh out your own education. So, Charles, give us a little bit of a insight into what some of the chapters have done and why that's such an important part of the membership in AAII. Absolutely. We have approximately 50 uh, chapters throughout the country, uh, and some of them have also have smaller groups and smaller areas. For instance, we have a chapter in Milwaukee. Um, and I happen to know there's a smaller group of people that meet up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is about an hour away. Um, and these groups, are they're all independently run. We support them, but they're very good. They actually put on presentations for investors. Uh, usually it's just a nominal fee, maybe 10 or $15 to cover the, sometimes to cover the cost of the room and refreshments. Uh, but you get a chance to actually meet nationally known speakers and, as you said, ask them questions. Uh, Sam Stovall of S&P 500 spoken at it. Uh, we've had Michael Santoli of Barron show up. We've had David Darts 
uh, managing director of Morgan Stanley show up, uh, Consuela Mack. Um, and our chapter leaders actually do a very good job of reaching out to well-known personalities uh, throughout the financial field, people who actually know what they're talking about, and invite them over. Um, and the rules for our chapters are that the speakers can't come by and pitch things. So sometimes you have an advisor who says, come by, give me lunch, and he's trying to pitch you on an annuity. Uh, our speakers aren't allowed to do that. They're actually there to educate you and to provide uh, investment uh, education. It actually explains to you how to invest, how to look at the markets, uh, portfolio management techniques. And so it's a really great time to not only hear people, but because they're right there in front of you, you can raise your hand and ask them a specific question to really figure out what they're talking about and to really learn from them. Uh, I've spoken at several chapters, and part of my favorite time of speaking to those chapters is a Q&A. I love the interaction. I love hearing members ask questions. Um, and as a speaker, it's great for me as well because sometimes they do challenge me and they do cause me to think things through more carefully in how I'm explaining things. So it's great for the speakers, and it's certainly wonderful for the members attending. Yeah, I, I've gone to ours. We have one in Philadelphia here, and usually they have it at a local hotel. I think it costs 10 or $12. Uh, it's always sold out. The room is full. There's several hundred people there. And the quality of the speakers has been amazing. They, they are diligent in not touting what they're selling. Uh, there's nothing wrong with selling assets and stocks and bonds and insurance and real estate and gold. But that's not the purpose of these meetings. The purpose of these meetings is to educate and elucidate and make you better equipped to make your own decisions. Um, have we missed anything, Charles, on that AAI does? Uh, I've got a list of things here. It seems that we must have missed something. There's so much of it. You know, I think one of the things that's really helpful, we have an investor classroom. And if someone's just either they're starting out or maybe they've invested for a little while, but they just want more refresher, um, they can go to it. And we actually have lessons. Uh, how do you evaluate a fund? How do you read financial statements? How do you analyze a stock? Um, and these are actually lessons online that people can read through, and they go more in depth. And the nice thing about it is they're all broken out by a particular subject, so someone can go to it. And I think it's really important that even if you've been investing for a while, to really just go back and review the basics, because it's very easy to realize uh, how, uh, how much you forget about the basics and how easy it is to move away from it. Um, and to use a sports analogy, uh, you had Earl Weaver, manager of the Baltimore Orioles baseball team, and one of the things he was always known for was focusing on the basics, getting these professional players to keep working on the basics, because those basics, as simple as they might seem, are really the key to success, and it's always important to make sure you renew your skills and really think about, okay, what are the basic things I need to do to manage my portfolio to be successful? Because as long as you keep focusing on those, you can lay the more complex stuff on top of it while still being successful. Good advice and good news. I want to thank you for all the information about AAII. And as we finish up the hour here, let me remind people to go to AAI.com, browse around, uh, look into membership. I think it's uh, an investment you'll make. Uh, the, the knowledge and the education material is, is without equal. It, it's superb. I consider myself a financial educator. I spent a lot of time in my life as a banker, uh, as a publisher. Last year, I wrote a book called Give Yourself a Raise. How to Have More Money, Less Stress, and Financial Freedom. Uh, that is available on my website, which is Path to Financial Freedom, abbreviated PTFF.net. On that site will also be a transcript of today's show, if you can listen to that, 
as well as on Voice America. You can listen to the playback if you missed it or tell your friends about it. Um, in my book, uh, I deal with the basics. And I want to wrap up today with reminding people of the core basics of financial freedom. Those core basics were set forth, to my knowledge, in 1926 by an author named Klassen, who wrote the first book I ever read on money management called The Richest Man in Babylon. That book is still in print. I teach a number of classes at, at local employers uh, for their employees to make better use of their wages, and we talk about the five principles. Number one, pay yourself first. 401ks are an ideal way to do that. The first 10% of everything you make ought to be for you. Second item, live within your means. That's harder to do than most people think when the credit cards and most of us have dug a hole pretty deep living today with money we aren't going to get until tomorrow. But live within your means is rule number two. Rule number one, pay yourself first. Live number two, live within your means. Live number three, get out and stay out of debt. Every penny of debt you have increases the cost of everything you bought by borrowing it. You don't want to stay in debt. And the more choices and the less risk you have in life is based on the least amount of debt that you carry. If an emergency comes up and your wages are suddenly interrupted, the fewer bills you have to pay, the better you can survive with your emergency fund, which, by the way, you need an emergency fund. And number four is invest the money you set aside for yourself for the future. And that's what we've been talking about today is learn how to invest, make it last, make sure you have a comfortable and happy retirement because you've set it aside for yourself, set it aside for yourself and now it's going to be helping you enjoy your retirement. And the last item is protect your assets. That's why you buy insurance on your house. Um, I was uh, in Southern California when there was a large fire and uh, the firefighter asked the man whose house had burned down if it was insured and he said it was not and he said how could that be and he says i've never needed it before you need to educate yourself you need to invest for the future you need to protect your assets and that is certainly the path to a financial freedom enjoyed having you with us today charles thank you so much for joining us i hope people will tune in uh and join aaii i think they'll find it very worth very worthwhile good day for everybody and we'll see you again next week. This is Gordon Bennett signing off. Thank you for listening to The Path to Financial Freedom. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice or a great choice with your money? Come back next week for more. <laughs>